Anytime I meet a woman named Delilah, I'm like, mm, untrustable. Oh, anytime I meet a woman named Delilah, I say, hey there, Delilah. And they go, cool. <laughs> so speaking of bad jokes and dry humor, should we start the podcast? Yeah, let's do it. Hey there, everybody. Um, this is Jake and Evan. Hey there. We hey. are distanced this time because I had the audacity to go back to the Midwest for a little bit. And so we are using Squadcast to Squadcast. Uh, yeah, to, to record each other. And so far, I think it's going pretty well. So yeah, I, I'm excited for where this is going to go. Considering I'm normally gassy when I come over, this might actually be beneficial for me. <laughs> you know, it's nice that like I don't really have a sense of smell. Yeah, me neither. When I go home, my mom washes my clean clothes because they smell so bad like <laughs> for some reason she's just like hey these aren't clean you need more clean and you know, uh, you workers at least you can terrorize significant others like yeah our poor better halves are really the, the biggest losers in the covid game. outside of the people who have died the significant others of people who are gassy have just had a rough life I'm just glad that my significant other is also gassy and comes from a tradition of gassy. So like, well, she's from Wisconsin, so she has mm-hmm. been gassy. And her whole family thinks that they're like uh, lacto- like low key lactose intolerant, and so yeah, they're they're just like like gassiness is like part of their family culture. And they do nothing about it. Like don't even take like probiotics or lactate. They're just like you know what, so fart night, and then mm-hmm. like just rip open a pack of Tillamook. So, should we talk uh, talk presents under the tree? I'm still pretty stoked about it. I'm totally thrilled about the presents under the tree. Do you want to go through your presents under the tree wrap that you have yeah, prepared? Sure. I, um, so, these are the new gifts of our hockey Christmas Hanukkah. No matter what you celebrate, you should fucking celebrate because we have one. I, I guess it's not even a tentative deal anymore. It's it's a deal. Two parties in agreement. NHL and the NHLPA. Three parties that have officially signed off, the Canadian Health Authority and the executive boards of the NHL and the NHLPA. So we've got four reconfigured temporary divisions. Uh, We'll get into those a little bit later. Four extra days of practice starting December 31st, aka Thursday. God knows I could use the extra practice, but I won't be part of the seven teams and extra practicing. You know who you are. And then 24 lazy teams, not starting till January 3rd. 31 teams are playing, 56 games a gaming, and a Stanley Cup at the end of that. I can't think of a better present I got this year. You know, if the, the like real gift, this, the thing that we know is swinging us from 2020 to 2021 is that we're going to get a Stanley Cup. And that's how we know that everything's going to start to be better. I read something about like 56 games in about 115 days. And beforehand, we had had it with one of the lockout shortened seasons ends up being 
just a little bit more spread out than that. I think we had like 50, 48 games that year in like 98 days. So when does the actual Stanley Cup playoff land now? I thought they were supposed to be done. They have to be done like a week before the expansion draft, July 23rd. So I believe they're trying to be done by like July 15th or something like that. That makes sense. So mid-April is... No, they're playing they're playing games into May. Oh, sorry, mid-May. I can't math. So we're going to get about four months of regular season action? Four, four and a half. And then we will dive into that glorious beast that is the Stanley Cup playoffs. The best sporting event in the world. Yeah, it is really like the perfect sports tournament. Even my friends who don't care about hockey at all are like, actually, the Stanley Cup's really cool. It is. We've got a lot on the docket. We're going to fly through a couple of things here. One of the things Evan wanted to, you wanted to bring up was the offsides rule change. Yeah, it's not a huge change, but I think it cleans things up a whole lot. So now it's going to be, you know, your skate is considered onside if it is hovering over the line and you no longer have to be touching the line, which I think is a good good development. You know, it, it works kind of like a football scoring a touchdown. It's just a a plane extending and like that's relatively easy to, you know, video replay and get it right. Yeah, I like it. What what do you think? I think you nailed it with your explanation there. You really remove that gray area of was his skate on the ground? Was it not on the ground? Is it maybe on the ground? Just get rid of it. If you take that plane of the blue line, project it up into the heavens. And if the skate is over that, then you've got it. They could yeah, no more like the Bruder film <laughs> reviews of was there a shard of ice between his skate and the late second period rough ice? Like Yes. I think anything that makes a rule clearer or and I, I think in this case, and we'll see how it's applied during the season, but anything that makes a rule more clear is awesome. And I think this is pretty clear now. Uh, and it opens up the game. I'm all for most things that open up the game and make it more offensively free-flowing, that's, I want to see pretty hockey. Uh, I think the only people that are upset by this are Barry Trotz and John Tortorella. And they're probably just salty because they've been on the bad side of some of these calls. And then like, now it's not going to happen to other people. Like they're probably just sort of angry about it. Like people like don't want other people to have their student loans repaid. Barry Trotz is still mad about the time that he got hit in the head with a puck on the bench and nobody <laughs> was penalized. He, uh, a couple seasons ago, I think he was still with Washington, but he takes a puck right off the head, like right there and doesn't even <laughs> flinch. He's bleeding and they're just like, whatever. And he's standing there. Since the uh, season was officially uh, announced, we've seen a lot of movement in so much movement agencies and trading. And I think we'll we'll probably just do like a kind of quick breeze through unless we can think of any funny jokes. But uh, the biggest I think is that Tampa has solved their cap issue. They did so in a kind of nefarious way <laughs> with with Nikita Kucherov electing to get hip surgery. He will be out and available hopefully for the playoffs where his cap hit won't count against the cap. They managed to re-sign Eric Chernak, Mikhail Sergachev, Anthony Sorelli uh, to bridge deals. They then traded Braden Coburn and Paquette 
to Ottawa for or Andres Nielsen and Marion Gabarik's LTIR contracts. Ottawa's going to get a second-round pick for their trouble. This is Julian Brisois being amazing. And I know a couple of weeks ago, I made this big, long rant about that might have gotten edited out <laughs> about uh, Joe Sackick being the best GM in hockey. But this is a brilliant piece of business, really. Convincing your best player to destroy his hip and get surgery is really the uh, the best way to go about this. It doesn't strike me as as much of a uh, cop-out as it did right when the Kucherov headline broke, just because, you know, they are going to be relatively hamstrung now. You know, they're going to miss their best player. They get Stamkos back, but who knows how durable he's going to be. He's not. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome that they didn't lose a core piece. Yeah, they didn't lose anybody. Paquette and Coburn maybe will be better for Ottawa. Like that could be cool because they barely played in yeah. Tampa. It's a it's a good trade for Coburn and Paquette too. They are going to be actual players in a rotation in Ottawa, whereas opposed to being maybe on the taxi squad in Tampa. And that was one of the things Julian Brisois said was that he. The other, uh, they made this trade because those were two veteran guys who had helped them win a cup. And he thought it was a disservice to them to ask them to go through waivers and be on the taxi squad when they're veteran guys who had just helped them win a cup. Mm. So sending them to Ottawa gives them playing time. It allows them to, you know, have that next chapter of their career and not be maybe playing every night uh, like they would have been in Tampa. So I, I, I think. Overall, it's it's a brilliant piece of business, but it also is, you know, Julian Brisois, at least publicly, doing a doing a solid for two guys who helped him win a cup. Yeah, it seems like an honorable move. Yeah. The second piece to this is Ottawa traded a second round pick to Arizona for Derek Stepan. Good Scanny uh, Derek Stepan. <laughs> yes. Scanny. And so he they basically Ottawa basically got Braden Coburn, Cedric Paquette, and Derek Stepan for nothing and got two LTIR contracts taken off their hands because they essentially swapped second-round picks to make this all happen. The Tampa's second-round pick is definitely going to be worse than Ottawa's second-round pick, but, I mean, that's not really a huge price to pay when you can bulk mm -hmm. up your team that much. And Who knows if, you know, we had such a shortened offseason after playing a long Stanley cup. What if Tampa isn't all that great? That I think that's a very possible scenario. I mean, maybe they are great because they haven't had much time to unlearn or maybe they're just tired. Who knows? I think that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow is like what Tampa's cup hangover looks like. Well, we finished hockey in what October. Mm -hmm. So Phil have had three, three months off essentially since then. But how much of that did they spend drinking? on boats probably a decent percentage of it but they also had to be largely quarantined during that time right. again where they were so they might have had like a very subdued party in their backyard as opposed to you know maybe it's sitting on a boat floaty in their pool in saint petersburg i'm imagining patrick maroon just like on a jet ski in a kiddie pool in his backyard Patrick Maroon had a good time. I guarantee that dude had a good time. 
And he fucking should have. What a great guy. <laughs> so back to the senators. Yeah, it, it's kind of nice to see the excess of Tampa's cap being ameliorated by one of the worst teams in the league that it, they're actively getting better because of it. Like, I like that part. You know, it, I think that's good for a, a league parody standpoint. I don't love Melnick sort of getting bailed out, but fine. You know, it's good for the rest of those players and the senators. Like, well, I, I think what this really shows is that also in the category of best GM in the NHL is Peter Dorian, who somehow fields a team with Eugene Melnick wanting to spend just above the cap basement every year. And $1. Yes, $1 over. And somehow fields a team. They there haven't been good for a while, ever since their deep playoff run. Was it three years ago now? But because of Peter Dorian, they've stockpiled young talent, stockpiled draft picks, and now have a team that, you know, on paper still isn't good, but is a lot better than it was last year and has a lot more talented um, senior leadership or veteran leadership. I guess it's not college, so they're not seniors and it's not a geriatric league, but they they have a bunch of young guys that they're going to have to start bringing up. So now they have a lot of veteran players who you know are, are on short contracts who they can bring a couple of young guys up now have them adapt with this group of veterans and then some of those veterans leave and they bring in another wave of young guys who can then learn from what the other young guys have and the veterans that are left. So Dorian's done a a magnificent job considering he basically has both his legs and one of his arms tied behind his back. But with that one good arm, he swings a hell of a deal. So kudos to the senators or not, not to the senators to Peter Dorian for, for really just kind of having an outstanding offseason. I think. Yeah. And one sort of supposes that Stepan maybe can serve as some sort of developmental player for some of the young talent. And he's still got probably a couple good years left if they choose to resign him. Yeah. And they're only paying him 2 million this year. So the cost is negligible. Which is why yeah, hard to hate loves it. So there's been a smattering of uh, one-year deals signed across the rest of the league. Do you want to take us through some of the highlights here? Yeah, some of the bigger ones. Uh, Michael Froelich and Corey Perry both signed with the Canadians. Oh, Andreas Anthonisiu just signed with LA. Which that's interesting. Bummer for them. <laughs> yeah. Like sometime he's gonna like come along and just be amazing again. And no. Oh. It's just no, <laughs> I, he's good at being fast, but he doesn't have a great work ethic. Well, from what came out of his time in Detroit, didn't that's the road. Yeah. And then Ken Holland traded for him to bring him to Edmonton, had him for half a year. It was like, ah, I'm good. Like, we're, we're good. <laughs> yeah. This isn't going to work. And if it wouldn't have worked with the speed of Edmonton, one doesn't guess that it's going to be successful anywhere else. So yes, Michael Froelich and Corey Perry both signed in Montreal for one year. Corey Perry, of course, is still getting paid about six and a half million by the Ducks. So, so he's fine. Uh, Con- Good deal for him. Yeah. Connor Sheary signed with the Caps for one year. Eric Halla and Michael Granlund both to Nashville, which I think the Eric Halla signing is a really adroit piece of business by Nashville. Yeah, well, we'll we'll talk about it when we get to the divisions there. But I, yeah, I think Nashville's got a good chance to succeed. Casey Middlestat back to Buffalo on a one-year deal. I believe he'll still be in RFA at the end of that. So he's 
he's all set. Yeah, it's a that's a two way deal. That's fun. Sort of guessed that that was going to happen, but there have been a lot of uh, things up in the air in Buffalo. But it's glad to see that he's landed. I mean, I know he's considered still super talented, super young, a two way deal. Maybe he gets extra ice time to develop another player that they want him to become. Well, it allows, allows them to put him on the taxi squad too, without him having mm-hmm. waivers. And he's 22. Like he's still got a long, a lot of opportunity to prove himself to be a solid NHL player, but he's definitely at least up to this point with where he was drafted at, not the player that Buffalo hoping he would be. We'll see. I think these one-year deals are really just kind of a sign of the times. Mm-hmm. Everybody's, Almost everybody's cap strap, you know, scraping up against that that glass ceiling of the limited cap, and so you're you're seeing a lot of players take one year deals, hoping that next year is a little better. I don't really foresee it being a little better next year. I think we're going to have probably two, maybe three years of the flat cap before we mm-hmm. before we start to see an increase. But for the time being, these one year deals are going to be what we uh, what teams can afford to give out. Another one-year deal, which isn't a one-year deal, but probably will be a one-year deal, is the the player tryout contract that Mike Hoffman signed with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, we should probably talk about this for, for just a second. That's pretty interesting. So Mike Hoffman had the most goals on the free agency market this year. He had 29 goals last year. He didn't get signed in the initial wave of signings and decided instead of taking less money, he and his agent decided, you know, we're going to wait this out. We'll wait and see what happens. And as soon as the season was officially ratified, he signed this PTO contract with St. Louis who wouldn't have had any room, but with uh, Steen retiring and Vladimir Tarasenko appearing to be an LTIR casualty this year. St. Louis all of a sudden has cap space and also has a need for depth scoring or good scoring with Tarasenko gone. So scoring in general. Yeah. So Mike Hoffman makes a ton of sense there. Officially, this deal means that another team could shoot him a contract offer, a guaranteed contract offer. And Mike Hoffman says, actually, that deal is really good. I'm going to take it. Then he can just leave St. Louis and be gone. But he is, according to Pierre Lebrun, already in St. Louis quarantining. So he's ready. They think he'll be ready for the second day of training camp but you know this is a team that is built to win now they are definitely cup contenders out of the west you know it's it's a good it's a good fit for mike hoffman who can come in and do what he does best which is score goals and help this help st louis get to the playoffs and see how far they can advance yeah they've had an interesting offseason you know losing petrangelo steen tarasenko gaining tory krug and Mike Hoffman. They, That's fun. <laughs> they, they still need to re-sign Vince Dunn too. So there is some work left to be done in. That's a good pun. I wish I had planned on it, but <laughs> that was, yeah. So they, they, they do still have some work to do in St. Louis, but I think we'll see another year of, of St. Louis being one of the top teams out West. For- yeah. They'll compete at some level. One of the puns that I am very happy about is in the notes, the announcement about Henrik Lundqvist, mm-hmm. the king of hearts. Hank, the, the king of New York, who is now in Washington, is scheduled for open heart surgery. Uh, we 
absolutely wish him the best of luck with this. Hope it goes incredibly well, but it's a major heart surgery and he's hoping to come back next year, which is extremely, would, would be crazy to see rooting for him. Always been a class act. One of the best goaltenders of the last decade. Hopefully, hopefully he can make it back and play sports again. But if not, he's had one hell of a career and he's, I would guess a hall of famer at some point here in the next five, six years. Yeah, I would guess so too. And, you know, as one of the more personable and best dressed NHLers that I can think of, you know, I wonder if he has some sort of a future in broadcasting somewhere. He's always been maybe a little bit too reserved for that. I don't know. I've always really liked his interviews, but it's crazy that a he's age 38. So six years older than me, couple years older than you getting open heart surgery. I know that plenty of people do that, but not many of them are professional athletes. If a mechanic told me that he was doing that to my car, I'd be like, that's like at least a thousand dollars. So yeah, it's, it's bonkers that he's that young in the scheme of things and a professional athlete, but also that old in this scheme of professional athletics and trying to come back next year after open heart surgery. Like he would, if he did get into broadcasting, he would immediately challenge Patrick Sharp as the most handsome man in hockey broadcasting. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to see that face off like sharks in the jet style, them snapping at each other from across the NBC studios. Speaking of uh, Patrick Sharp, the Blackhawks have had such a bad week that they're actually exploring him, bringing him back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's been a real rough week if you're Jeremy Colleton, I'm sure. Uh, so they lost Alex Nylander for what looks like the season, at least a couple, at least like six months due to knee meniscus surgery. I guess he tried to skate on it and, you know, it wasn't as healed. And and then on top of losing Alex Nylander, uh, they lost Kirby Doc in the same week to a wrist injury, broken wrist. I don't know if you saw the picture of said broken wrist. I don't need to. It's good. It's not the it's not like one of the worst things ever, but what it showed to me is I think it looks like the break was like here, which I think is actually slightly good news. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot happening in your wrists, a lot that can get fucked up if you're a hockey player, but hopefully he doesn't need surgery and is back in like the six to eight week timetable because he's the Hawks future. And Apparently, you know, the future for Team Canada as well. I didn't realize until the injury came up and you sent me the news about it that he was the captain of Team Canada. Like, yeah. that's something. You know, it, so it was kind of a double-edged sword in that, wow, I, I didn't realize he had such cachet in that system, but also he's hurt. And people were already a little concerned about his durability being so tall and thin. Is this a sign of durability concerns for the future. God, I hope not. Yeah, hopefully he can get back to playing at the high level he was playing at fairly quickly. But, you know, wrists are hard, especially for centers. And like I know young kids bounce, but a little worried. I think I think he's he's fine. He's what, 19? He'll be fine. Will he be fine this season? Maybe, but I think, you know, I was... Before that injury, I was thinking of like who would potentially be the biggest breakout candidates this year. And Kirby Doc was definitely near the like, not that he didn't have a very good year last year, but with the potential he has and the line mates that he'll probably be playing with, 
there was definitely the potential for him to have a really stellar, like maybe even point per game type year. And yeah, I was really targeting him for the fantasy draft. Yeah. And so, so he will, it sucks that his development will be slowed a little bit, but he can, you know, now that he's out of the tournament, he can get back to Chicago, get the surgery and just start healing and be able to um, quarantine in order to hit the ground running as soon as he's physically capable. So I think it sucks. Absolutely. But it's not a worst case scenario. And I think he'll be all right. Right. And as an upper body injury, you know, it's not like Stamkos's core injury that, that, you know, has bothered him for years. He'll be able to be conditioned from the lower body down and probably, you know, yeah, get back in the, the six to eight week timetable. And then, oh yeah, Carl Soderberg signed with the Hawks one year, $1 million. Cool. Yeah. Like, whoo. Maybe they'll also double down on actually signing Dylan Strom. Um, but who knows? It just, uh, it doesn't seem too early to tell that the tank is on. Like you were, t- I, I was listening to one of our previous episodes and you were like, the wings are going to be the worst and the Blackhawks will be just outside of the lottery. And I think we're like switching places right now. <laughs> oh, the wings are definitely not going to be just outside the lottery. One of the biggest questions every year as we round into the season is what team got the most better? So what team had the best offseason? Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Why don't you go first? Because I really liked your answer. My answer is Montreal, uh, the Canadians. I feel like every time we talk about a French Canadian team, we should just speak with a shitty French accent. But yours is actually pretty good. So just maybe it's just me with a shitty French. So Montreal, they traded Josh Anderson and really they gave up a draft pick and Max Domi, who apparently wasn't working out. Max Domi wants to be a center. Most teams don't view him as a center, but they got Josh Anderson for it, who, you know, is that a a risky proposition signing a guy who had two points last year and was out for most of the season for sure. But, you know, it, historically he's been a solid player. One of the best moves of the off season, I think signing Tyler to Foley, mm-hmm. he's going to be your second wing left or second line left winger. Uh, they just, uh, as of today, I think signed Corey Perry. Uh, he'll be some, you know, a grit sandpaper type guy, probably on their third line. Uh, way back in the way, way back machine, they s- traded for Jake Allen. So they have, I think, the best goalie tandem in the league with Carey Price and Jake Allen. And then they extended Jake Allen for less money than he was already making, which was awesome. I will say this I don't think that Montreal's top line, or at least their top line last year, which is all back, is Tatar, Dano, and Gallagher, who they also re-signed this year, Brendan Gallagher, to a nice long deal. I don't think it's like the it's the most intimidating first line in the NHL by any means, but it's a solid one. And what they did instead of going out and signing, you know, a nine million a year player to play up front, they went out and found a bunch of really good depth pieces that they hope to pair with Nick Suzuki and uh, Jesperi Kokinienemi, uh, who I think are two players who showed a lot of flash last year of being uh, being capable of carrying a bigger load. And so now they're going to run with Dano, Suzuki, and Kokinienemi as their three centers, and I think that's a really solid lineup. Should they take that leap this year that Montreal is 
uh, asking them to take. Do I think they're a cup team this year? No. Unless, of course, Carey Price is Carey Price God mode, which can happen at any <laughs> which can happen at any time. He's he's incredible. Uh, but he'd have to do it for two straight months against much better teams. So are they a cup team? No. But are they way better than they were last year? And could they, you know, surprise and compete for the top of that North division? Absolutely. I think Vancouver, I think, had a rough offseason. Toronto had a very solid offseason as well, but they're Toronto, so who knows? And then Edmonton is Edmonton. Ottawa is no. Uh, and <laughs> and Calgary, you know, we'll see. Calgary is shaking a lot of things up. We'll see what happens there, but... Yeah, there's a lot of I don't know in that Canadian division. Yeah, I, I really think Montreal and Toronto are probably the two best teams in that division uh, on paper. And so it wouldn't surprise me to see Montreal maybe not win that division, but be second place and maybe win a series in the playoffs, which I know they did that last year, but they their one series was uh, a play-in series, so it doesn't count. And I really like what they did up north of the border uh, and I'm pretty excited to watch some of their games this year and see how the all, all those new signings gel. Yeah, one sort of supposes that they've maybe bought themselves like another round of the playoffs here with the chance to, you know, if Suzuki and Kakniemi and Price and Tatar have awesome seasons, they could maybe be a cup challenger, but that would that would rely on a lot of their like young depth all developing at once, which seems a little bit of a stretch. Yes. Yeah. They're still a couple of years away, probably, or maybe a year away from a fully weaponized Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kokiniemi, but they get solid improvements from those two this year. Then I think, I think they could do some really good damage in the, in the playoffs. And again, Carey Price wild card, mm-hmm. get him into the playoffs. Who wins the Stanley cup? Your goalie. He's one of the best. Yeah, indeed. And speaking of another possible Stanley Cup contending playoff team, my choice for the best offseason was Colorado. You know, even a pretty limited offseason, but that's they're a already loaded out sports car, adding some pieces that can maybe make them league winner. You know, they've already been armed to the teeth and then picked up Nazem Kadri last year. And all they lost was Nikita Zadorov. And then they, gained Brandon Saad and Devin Taves. You have to assume that that's a upgrade on the whole and that they're just going to go for broke for the the cup. Oh, absolutely. I think the key for them is going to be goaltending. Mm-hmm. Grubauer and Frankuz are Grubauer is a very solid NHL goaltender. Is he a cup winning goaltender? We'll see. Their third defensive pairing is Devon Taves and Ian Cole. That's stupid. <laughs> That's, they're an absurdly talented team. Matt Calvert is going to play on their fourth line. Like, come on. <laughs> I, I would take their top line and probably their second line against any other teams in the league. And that second line is Brandon Saad, Nazem Kadri, Ber- Andre Burakovsky, who I love. They're an extremely deep team who should absolutely be in the cup final this year. Whether it happens or not, who knows? But you got to say, on paper, to start the team, that's a legit favorite. Right. And you have to assume that Nathan McKinnon, kind of being the engineer of that train, he's going to drive it balls to the wall all the time. You know, it, it, his intensity 
you would assume just infects that whole lineup and you know everyone seems to play super hard when they're around him so i mean i would expect probably above average seasons from all of these pieces you know from i mean i'm thinking sort of in like fantasy term i'm thinking all of these guys in colorado have a chance to over uh, overperform Absolutely. And they're going to play in the West, which in my mind is the weakest of the divisions for 2021. I love that the NHL is saying the 2020-2021 regular season, but it's like, no, you're, it's just a 21 regular season. It's cool. It's okay. But like Anaheim, Arizona, LA, San Jose are all in that division. Minnesota, who could, I don't think has a center on its roster. Obviously, Vegas and St. Louis are going to be very good, but when you they shipped Dallas to the Central, that made that division a lot weaker. And I think, in my mind, that's the weakest division. So Colorado should be able to feast on the California teams and the Coyotes and have a very strong regular season. Yeah, the Pacific Patsy division is definitely going to be some be a couple of really awesome teams just cleaning up a lot of rebuilding teams. <laughs> I think honestly, that's why Dallas is in the central and Minnesota is in the West, despite the fact that Minnesota should absolutely be in the central as a Midwestern team, throwing Vegas, St. Louis and Colorado and Dallas into that West division would just be mean. So yeah. I think they balanced it out that way. We'll get into the divisions or, or maybe we can just do it now, but yeah, I was going to say, it seems like a decent time to go into it. What a, what a hearty uh, segue that I just ruined. In my mind, the Central and the East are the two toughest divisions. The Central, you've got Carolina, Tampa, Dallas, Nashville, and then Florida, Columbus, Chicago, Detroit. And the East, Boston, the Caps, Pittsburgh, Philly, the Rangers, the Islanders, that... I think the East is probably the most brutal. Like, sorry, Buffalo and New Jersey, but you're going to be bottom feeders again because that's 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 a brutal schedule for any either of those teams, and probably the Rangers too. To be honest, I, I don't. I think they're going to be better, but we might not know it because of how brutal their schedule is going to be. Yeah, Buffalo is is sitting there interestingly to me in the East because. It's also another a, a ton of question marks. Like, what is Washington going to be? They're old as balls, and they don't have their starting goaltender that they just signed. That, Samsonov was going to be their starter, but he's coming back from an injury and had off-season surgery. Some question marks there. Like, Philly, I think Philly could regress. Uh, they, you know, every time they seem to have a really good year, they seem to follow it up with a really crappy year. So I'm more talking uh, historically, but... And yeah, Rangers, Islanders, two young and interesting teams. Who knows? But yeah, New Jersey has the look of a bottom feeder. Buffalo could be really anywhere. And Boston will probably be near the top. Well, Boston's got to eat some some injuries to start the year with Pasta and Marchand being hurt to start the year. No word yet, at mm-hmm. least that I've seen about when those two will be back. But you know, if you get off to a slow start in that division, you could be clawing your way out of it against some really good teams. So, yeah, but Boston's going to start with two of the best goaltenders in the league, and so it, one has to assume that that will buoy them 
somewhat through what will be yeah a fairly challenging start you're right well they also lost Tory crew they are they're rebuilding the left side of their defense they mm-hmm. haven't they haven't re-signed Zidane Chari yet as of yet and who knows if they will he has said that he wants to play again but you know you're really looking at a a team that has a lot more question marks at the beginning of this year than it did at the beginning of last year certainly i think the culture there and the two goalies will help. But I think the central just looks like death. That's another reason that I think the tank is on in Chicago is just looking at that central division. And yeah, we're going to be frenemies again at the bottom. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like a pillow fight, but just with pillow cases between mm-hmm. Detroit and Chicago. There, there won't even be padding to at least make a nice sound of impact when when one lands a blow. Uh, Detroit, you know, I think I love Detroit's offseason. I think they did a lot of good things, but is it enough to get them out of the cellar of that division? No. You're looking to hopefully take as many points off Chicago as you can. Hope that Florida, like that Bobrovsky doesn't have a rebound year and, you know, Columbus maybe stumbles. Asking for Dallas to regress too if you want some sort of success relative to that and Carolina as well. And is that going to happen? Who knows? I think Carolina's young forwards, Sveshnikov and Aho, how they continue to develop is one of the most interesting storylines this year. Sveshnikov took a huge step forward last year. He was already good. He was a monster in the playoffs until he got hurt. It'll be really interesting to see how Carolina Honestly, I think Carolina could win that division with Kucherov out. Tampa Bay is going to be excellent, but no Kucherov. Like your no team is better when you take a top ten player in the world off of it. So maybe even top five player in the world off of it. So there's going to be a little bit of regression there as they try and just make the playoffs. Nashville, I think, has gotten better. They have a really great defensive core. Goaltending is been shaky with Saros not really taking the mantle from Pekarine and Rene has had progressively worse years every year for the last three years. You know, so maybe it's maybe we're looking at Carolina and Dallas being the gold standard in that division. Uh, Dallas will be without Ben Bishop as well. So can uh, Anton Kudobin become the number one goaltender that he was in the playoffs in the regular season? He, I mean, he's always been good, but can he continue? Ben Bishop timeline like a couple of months. There are a lot of questions for a lot of teams, and I think Carolina is the team most poised to answer those questions with the answer is us. We are the answer. We are we're very good. And then the North. <sighs> Canada. <laughs> I don't really actually have anything against Canada. It's just kind of fun. I think it's hilarious that, you know, we're doing this for one year. I'm definitely sort of just embracing the weird. I think it would be funny if the North division was just excluded entirely from the Stanley cup playoffs. Like the central gets, you know, the, what the North should have put in and <laughs> the North, they, they get to compete in their own playoff. And at the end they get a bucket of maple syrup. <laughs> they, get, they get that like stolen maple syrup haul from years ago. <laughs> we found it again. <laughs> Thank goodness. I do think we talked about Toronto and Montreal earlier. I think Montreal's very improved. I think Toronto did a really good job, a sneakily good job of 
balancing out the bottom of their lineup with some veteran signings. They brought in Wayne Simmons. They brought in Joe Thornton. I think those are excellent deals, especially for guys who are going to be on your third, maybe, possibly your fourth line. We'll see what those lineups look like in Toronto and you know who's projected where. But if you if you're talking now about Joe Thornton being your third line center, that's that's a pretty good lineup. I think I think TJ Brody was a very good signing. It'll be interesting to see how their defense shapes up on the back end. They did sign Zach Bogosian, which I think is another really smart signing. The dude just won a cup. He's a very solid third line defenseman. Travis Dermott is very young, has the has a lot of potential. Yeah, I I, I think they're they're going to be a really good team. We'll see how it works out with everybody. We'll see how it works out, but we're going to see that yeah, so, real soon. So yeah, it'll be awesome to see. So who do you see at the top of this Canadian division? It's so hard for me to say Toronto because they're Toronto and they don't win mm-hmm. anything. Not to crap on Toronto. They just, they don't like no Canadian team has won the cup since what? 91. And the, the Maple Leafs have, fallen apart in the playoffs every year for what, the last four years. So it's hard for me to sit here and say Toronto is definitely, I'd love it to be Vancouver. I really love their team, but I think they got progressively worse this off season. And, you know, unless Thatcher Demko steps up and becomes that everyday goaltender, I don't think Braden Holtby is that guy anymore. So. Yeah. We wonder how much they, overperformed last year but if their young stars can take another step i don't know i see them towards the top of this unless something really goes sideways for them and then there's winnipeg another kind of wild card who you know who knows what they're gonna become i mean they have a lot of talent they have pretty solid goaltender they have a lot of injured talent and then Patrick Line, who know who the hell knows what's going to happen with that. Yeah, I, I think at this point Patrick Line is going to be a jet for this year. Maybe if they're out of the like decidedly out of the playoffs by the time the, the trade deadline comes around, somebody does the massive deal and brings him in. But I, I just don't see that because gosh, his contract is up what next year, and somebody is going to have to pay him so much money. Or he stumbles really hard and he has the look of trade bait. But as you point out, there are some other tough considerations there. Yeah, Line's got one more year on a on his deal and then will be he's gonna get paid. Patrick Line's just got this year left. He's 22. He's already scored a boatload of goals. Be an RFA. On paper, he is somebody that you should absolutely be trading for. But who's going to give up the cost to sign him? That Blake Wheeler contract, I feel like, is probably really, really hurting up there in, in Winnipeg right and now. What's Shifley's injury timeline like? I think Shifley is back. I think Brian Little is still hurt. Shifley's ready. As of November, I think he was ready. Which is good for them. That's one of the things, you know, I think that is going to help raise their high water or their, their low water mark and, and, and possible high water mark. It's hard not to see, you know, the bottom looking like Ottawa, Edmonton, Calgary. That just 
seems automatic. You know, I, I, I kind of poo-poo it a little bit on paper because it's Canada, but and there's not a real standout team in that division, but there's no, well, outside of Ottawa, there's no terrible team in that division, right? So it could be the most competitive and the most fun division just because. Yeah, they're going to beat the living shit out of each yeah. other. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. We get to see back to backs of Calgary Edmonton this year. Darn. For God and country. Eh? De- definitely won't be watching every single one of those games. Yeah, we're going to see some full penalty boxes this year in that Canadian division. God willing. Uh, you and I talked about it the other day. It's kind of like a fantasy draft for NHL divisions. Like, hey, let's see what we come up with. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is fun. Well, except for Chicago and Detroit. They're screwed. But <laughs> you know, what's going to be weird is like when we start to like some of these alignments, part of it is you know, reuniting some of these old rivalries like Chicago, Detroit. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, some of this, like trying to keep it once we add, uh, add Seattle and, and everything goes fruit basket upside again. Yeah. Does Seattle get an exemption for travel to Canada? Like what happens? I think Canada just annexes the state of Washington and so they can have two Vancouver. Do they need more apple production? Is that what they're going for? Mm -hmm. Apples and cherries. We need more apples but yeah, and cherries, they, eh? Oh, I know. Let's take Washington. <laughs> they just walk across the border and are like, this is ours now. And oh, um, yeah, okay. It's like Canadian white girl army just comes down and gentrifies. It's Avril Lavigne. <laughs> this is mine's now, uh, eh? It's it's an episode of Letterkenny written by us in four minutes. Oh, boy. <laughs> So what do we have that's sort of still up in the air? They're going to try and play games at home arenas, you know, per whatever local regulations are going on. But doesn't that, like, isn't that impossible for some teams like the California team? Yeah, San Jose is playing in Arizona for their training camp and at least the first two weeks of the season, I believe. So are they all playing in Arizona or what? Uh, so far, I've only seen San Francisco or San Francisco, San Jose playing over there. Mm-hmm. I believe LA and I haven't heard anything about LA having to play anywhere else. I also haven't been paying that much attention. Yeah. I, I don't know what the situation is with quarantining in, in a lot of these states, to be frank. You know, if it wasn't for the, the 49ers, I don't think I'd be aware of California's regulations it is kind of nuts how fast this is all going to come together now and get figured out like we're going to have a headline a day probably at least between now and the start of the season just like talking logistics and such you know we just watched the nfl somehow make it through their regular season major league baseball did it last summer i i said this when we first kind of reported on this, but I hope that they built some leeway time into these schedules to allow for some flexibility because games are going to get canceled. It's going to happen. There's no way that it doesn't happen. And, you know, as of right now, especially, you know, they're going to play in their home arenas. Thankfully the NHL wised up and did mostly two or three game mini series within the season or within 
there. So like Detroit will play in Chicago for two games and then go to Columbus for two games and then come home to and play and Chicago will come to town for two games. And so you're limiting travel in that way, in that regard. Yeah, I think this sort of homestand concept is is a really good idea. Do you know if they're thinking about doing hubs again for the playoffs or is anybody even talking about this yet? I've seen it floated in a couple of spaces, but I don't think that that has really come up yet. I think we'll probably see more of that in March-ish when mm-hmm. playoffs are impending and we see where COVID is at. You know, Do we have to do it all in Canada again? And what happens? We also might have a situation where we're allowing fans back into arenas again. Who knows? I don't foresee it, but who knows? We could have real playoff hockey with fans and craziness and antics and the woman from Washington flashing her boobs when the Caps won the cup. Like We could have all that craziness back. So I, I don't foresee that happening, but I have Right now, it's just entirely speculation as to what could possibly be happening with with the playoffs once we get to them. Yeah, it's really going to depend on this vaccine and, and how fast it gets rolled out. You know, who can get it when and, and how quickly we can get numbers down to a reasonable level. I mean, I'm excited about the prospect of maybe having the end of this hockey season look more normal than last year, but not counting on it by any stretch of the imagination. If all of the people in this country who had denied COVID was a thing or claimed it was a hoax had gotten the vaccine as fast as all of the senators who denied or claimed it was a hoax, we'd be like 40% vaccinated by now. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's not how it works. We don't even have enough vaccines for all of our healthcare workers. And honestly, I don't know what the situation is in Canada right now with their vaccines schedule, but we will soon, we'll see the rollout of vaccinations kind of simultaneously happen with the rollout of hockey. And we'll see which one progresses farthest first. And it would be amazing to be able to have fans in, in arenas again by the end of this season. But I think honestly, that your best bet is probably fall of next year, like the start of the 21-22 season, hopefully having some fans in arenas at that point. That seems the most reasonable and realistic. My thought is they'll rush the fans back. <laughs> Probably. I think we've exhausted ourselves for the day. It was weird recording in the middle of the day as opposed to when it's pitch blackout. This was new. Yeah, I feel like usually when we get towards the end, the alcohol just sort of takes over and we just keep rambling. But this time we'll... I guess, bring it to some sort of a concise. Yeah. I think the concise close is we have hockey and it's coming What in like two days, I think is when training camps for the first seven teams open up. So Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. So hallelujah. Holy shit. Let's get this going and let's have actual talk hockey to talk about as opposed to theoretical things that may happen on the ice. Should it the earth not melts, you know, like we're, we're <laughs> humanity is melting down as is the earth. But at the same time, in the middle of all of that drama and calamity, we're getting hockey back. Hopefully we're able to have it for a long time and for a full season and people are healthy and safe and I'm thrilled to watch. Mm-hmm. And now we get, you know, more fantasy sports to 
distract ourselves from real life. Yes. And blessed be fantasy hockey. It's back. It's going to, it's, yeah. I think, I think we'll, uh, I don't have children. So I have some free time when I'm not working or editing this or editing this or talking with you about the podcast. I have some other free time too. And it's largely going to be now spent managing a fantasy hockey team. So this should be fun or hockey league. Both. You, you get to manage both now. Although hopefully the league won't be much work to manage. Oh yes. And now I also have to think of a clever and original name for my hockey team, which is really the hardest part of any fantasy sports situation is coming up with something that isn't lame and cheesy. Right. Yeah. Like I've been putting things on a list since last year and (laughs) then you like go and look at the list and you're like, Oh, these suck. That's kind of like the, the like 40 ideas we came up for naming this podcast. And we're like, these are all garbage. Uh, How about we just (laughs) use the one that we first talked about? That one was the best. I wonder when we start to actually get preseason games and whether that will be after us. No preseason. We're going straight to regular season. Oh, wow. Okay. Not even like one paltry preseason tune-up game. We are, we're diving straight into the, the melee, uh, the maelstrom. Fuck it. We'll do it Yes. And you and I will be here to chronicle it. Our awesome newfangled podcast. Well, sweet. Well, thanks for uh, joining us today. And I look forward to talking to you again sometime in the next week. Hopefully I'll, you know, get some negative tests and, uh, we can do it in person or, you know, we try and touch base in like just under a week because that will be the end of our free squad cast. <laughs> yes. Well, we will uh, abuse this freeness while we, uh, while we have it. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks everybody for allowing us to suck and get better. And as we start down this journey and for everybody out there, you know, stay handsome. See y'all stay <laughs> handsome. Bye.